once again, once again, here we are. You're talking about more stuff that I have no clue what you're talking about. You know, I want to start a business. You know, it's called Positivity is Everything. And, you know, I'm going to put poems on shirts and I'm going to sell the shirts. And uh, I appreciate, you know, you asking questions and offering me to help. But, you know, when I say I want to do it, I don't really mean right now. I just really mean one day, you know. Um, you always try to talk about people are always just talking trash and they really don't want to do anything because they can't take action. I mean, may, not everybody moves so light and fast as you, buddy. You know what I mean? You just think that you're like so tight because you can just come up with an idea and then get it done in two hours. And then just because you get a check in the mail from it, like, you know, you just think that that makes you like the Don King of the Internet or something since you're like the Internet guru or whatever, you know. Um, and I, it doesn't matter that you, you know, you offer to help me and stuff like that. Sometimes, you know, I feel like you're just offering me help just to show me how smart you are. You're not really, like, trying to help me because you really genuinely want to, like, see me succeed. Like, sometimes I feel like you're even just trying to, like, help me to build up, like, competition so you can, like, crush me later. Like, you're trying to, like, turn over. Like, that's how, I, like, you're trying to, like, you know, just just take take over. Like, you know, I really realize that, you know, people like you, you know, you got to watch people because you're like that guy from the Terminator. Like, I really feel like you're like the villain. You're like the guy that like Batman goes up against, you know what I mean? Because it seems to me like you don't really have any feelings about anything. Like, are you like some type of sociopath? Like, I mean, what do you mean? Like, I mean, I understand that you're positive, that, so you say, but it seems like, you know, you just think the worst about humanity sometimes. Like, you know, like everybody's not really like, you know, out to get everybody. You know, sometimes people really do care about others, and sometimes people do really want to help the world and stuff. So I really don't know what you're talking about. And to be honest, man, if you're going to do a podcast, you at least need to, like, you know, be honest and stop trying to, like, tell everybody everybody's bad all the time. I don't even see why y'all certain people like even live in New York. Like, what do you live there for? Like, tell me why. Like, because it's a land of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, the opportunities down south for you to live more comfortably and affordably and do something, um, have an opportunity to do something that you, uh, it's not illegal and you can get money from it. You can get thousands of dollars. And you don't have to risk being like, you know, you can elevate your social status. Like if you look at Taxstone and how he does like podcasts, you know, he's not in the streets no more. Like you can do a podcast and get online, like get on YouTube, you can get on Facebook and Instagram all day. And you can't get on the internet and just ask. Like look, Google, Google something like this, how to make $100 really fast. Just start there. Google that. How to make a thousand dollars in one day? Just Google it, and then like, every, look, there is no right answer on the internet. You're gonna find for every amount of um, information that you get that tells you this is the way something is, it's gonna be an equal amount that's telling you the exact opposite, and then more amounts telling you different points of views. It's a rabbit hole that you will not get to the bottom of. So you get information and you put things in buckets and categories like you label things I label friends I label people I put people in boxes because that's how people judge it's three different types of thought processes it's your actual self who you are 
your actual you, your core, your ideal self, who you want to be, who you aspire to, and then your social comparison. And how, like, if you, you want to be an ideal, you're comparing that to somebody else. When a child is born, they even say, "Is you know, I'm this and this is that." That's how they establish themselves. Every day, I just have to say, being notice is like there's a lot of people there who don't have anything to live for other than what they see every day therefore that they think that they have nothing to lose so that means that you're gonna have to watch your back with them and they're willing to take advantage of you i got my rent stolen a crackhead moved into the house and you know just turn the whole thing upside down and that's one thing i do realize is for for all of you that live in room and houses now or you know you're going through stuff at home and you know that's a viable option for you but just notice like once a crackhead lives in the house or you discover that someone's a crackhead that lives in the house when you move in the dynamic of the house turns upside down I mean, I had like this crackhead guy cooking my food. He's bringing other crackheads in there. I even found out that one of the people who was living in the house with me was a crackhead on the low because I told y'all like I, I sold crack and I, I made 13 cents my first night. And the crazy thing about it was I was talking to him like nights before and he was like, yeah, man, I'll help you with it. I'll help you with it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I got the stuff contingent on this guy helping me sell it the first time I got it. So he comes in the house late and he's like, yo, what's up? What's up? And I'm like, hey, man, I got that for you, man. And he was like, what? What you got for me? I was like, I got it, man. I got the stuff we were talking about. And he was like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'ma uh, I'ma check you later about that, but but don't let me uh, let me don't let me hear you been running your mouth. I'm like, what is he talking about? So one night, this this guy, uh, the crackhead that lived in that room and house, he had brought some lady in, and he like had her by the hand, and like they were rushing in the house and then like he they're making a whole bunch of noise because he lived in the room across from me and then Vince knocks on the door uh, as a matter of fact Vince knocks on my door and asks me for some it gives me some money for some crack and I'm like wow like this guy really is a crackhead I thought he was going to help me sell it he knocks on old school's door which is the name of the crackhead and old school opens the door like what what like you no know, all abrasive and then Vince is like, shh, and then like opens his hand and he looks down and then he's like, he's like, oh, come on, come on, come on in here, come on in here. And so they start, they smoked it and then that kind of just opened my eyes to what was going on. So old school 
was a funny character. Um, there was it was this big, huge kind of swole guy, and then that same lady that I mentioned before constantly came into the house all the time. Now, mind you, I had lived in the house before old school had moved in, and you know Duke was sleeping on my floor, so he can attest to this story as well. But one day, it's me. Uh, the guy Roderick, who was the quote-unquote rooming house manager who lived there, he just really collected the rent for the landlady. And we're all outside, and uh, Vince shows up, too. And we had saw that the guy and the girl that old school normally brought with him to the house had come. So we're all outside talking about old school. It's the funny thing about it. And while we're talking about old school, because those two crackheads that showed up in addition to him, we see a car pull up and it's old school's drug dealer. So I'm like, all right, man, I'll go knock on the door, man. So remember I told you that his room was across from so i'm walking through the kitchen and i'm getting ready to go let him know someone's at the door for him he comes running out the bathroom butt naked into his other room i'm like hey man somebody's at the door for you and then i kind of dart back outside i'm like yo this guy's like butt naked running from the bathroom so the funny thing is the big guy comes to the door we i'm back outside talking to everybody else the big guy comes to the door with his shirt off like yeah somebody at the door and we're looking at it like yo this nigga don't even live here like what is this so they go buy some crack and they go smoke it back in the room and we're like man this has just got to give man what's going on so one day i come home and old school's not there anymore and the roommates were telling me that um the landlady got fed up with him and kicked him out i don't know if he didn't pay his rent or what but it was crazy because as i mentioned in the story before my rent was stolen and the way that happened was this normally what we do is we take the um money order and we put it underneath the door of roderick's door of his room and you know if you were late it's like five dollars ten dollars a day that you're late or something like that so i was like three days late and i put it under his door and normally like he never if i'm late he never comes and asks me do i have my rent and um he's like hey uh i just put it under there. he's like you got your rent and i'm like do i have my rent i just put it under your door a few minutes ago and that kind of let me know that he, he was lying about my rent and uh so i go to his door with him and he starts looking like in his drawer and under his bed under his mattress and stuff i'm like wait this guy just try, he's trying to play me because that's what i used to do my mom used to ask me like oh where's your report card and i used to try to hide it. he's trying to like look in crazy places that it would be like under the bathroom cabinet like that's how i knew he was lying and um I went and put a money order tracker on it and then it showed back up and then I get to the house the landlord was like okay cool I get to the house the, there's a dead boat on my door 
my PlayStation 2 is missing. All my clothes are in the laundry room. And I ha- I'm just locked out. I can't get into the room. I can't get into my stuff or anything. And I have to leave the house. So that's how I ended up staying at Kroger. Because it was 24 hours and just talked to my friend Luda because he had worked overnight. Um, he had got promoted. So I was just up there talking to him and I worked there. So it was no big deal and things like that. And so payday comes and I look in Creative Loafing and I see that there are rooming houses over there. So I go over there and uh, by this time I stopped, I stopped going to school. I dropped out and things like that. And uh, with a 3.2 grade point average, stupid, I know. And um, I tried to sell crack and my first night I made 13 cent and it didn't work and I'm homeless and I go over there to this neighborhood it's in this neighborhood called Ashby right around the corner from my high school Washington that I just dropped out of and I walk by the house and I'm like oh no this looks like a crack house I'm not going in there so I go over and sit by Woodruff Library by the Clark Atlanta football field by the library and um, sit there thinking to myself like what am I going to do You know, the big thing I learned from this was trying to impress everybody from girls to my homeboys to even myself trying to rap like, you know, about things that was on the radio, like trapping. And, you know, I just wanted to say that I sold crack. I didn't have to drop out of school. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to go back and live with my parents, that's for sure, but uh i now looking back i realized man i really could have you know finished school at washington i mean but you know maybe it was just the way of the universe for me to go through what i did go through just to be as successful that i am today but i see now um from from learning that what homeless people go through i mean when I was at Kroger, I was telling somebody my situation just kind of like it was no big deal. And this one guy was like, hey, man, you're supposed to be, like, dead or in jail right now. What do you mean? And uh, I, and then, you know, people just start giving me free food at Kroger. So, I mean, that was another situation that happened. But, I mean, I had a place. I had a job. Um, I quit school, so I had all this free time. And I learned about the streets, man. I learned about what to do, what made what tick. I got my real education from Ashby Street. Those times at the rooming houses and in the west side of Atlanta taught me a lot about life. I mean, I really call it gladiator school. Because what you'll notice is like there's a lot of people there who don't have anything to live for other than what they see every day therefore that they think that they have nothing to lose so that means that you're gonna have to watch your back with them and they're willing to take advantage of complete the project complete the project complete the project complete the project
Complete okay. the project. Complete Ooh. the project. Ben Hill, yeah. Check the hat. Executive producing podcast. IG contest. That's pipeline. Full blast. What I put people on at last increase. Uh. My shoe, my stash. Invest in the put option bug for the crash. Okay. Getting algebra, my favorite math. Even when I was in class, I used yeah. the shortcuts to pass. Plus, selling steady guys to the suckers that try to sleep with the sky. Been secret what they see the player high under their hoodie that's turned on the inside. Yeah. Hoping it doesn't skip. Cause the track number five is way too fly. Swimming through the lines, new tropic vision, my four eyes. Dudes, who, detra, little to the progress, always me, they demise lyrically. No, was, flipping burgers on McDonald's stove when I was 15 years old. Too cold, y'all have the same story, and it's played out at all. When I was 17, I had to drop out of school, but I went back to New I would make my moves. I just went back to New I would make my moves. Complete the project. 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 I walk around, I turn the corner, and it's like room for rent, room for rent, room for rent everywhere. And I'm like, oh. So I find a spot. I have my Kroger uniform on because I've been staying there for two days. And uh, I get into this place on Parsons Street off of Ashby. And that is where I began my drug dealing episodes with Duke. So when I hit the corner, um, I see the big brown rooming house on Parsons and Uralee. Uh 866 is the door number. And I call the, the number that's on the door. And this guy named Leroy Finch picks up the phone. Pulls up in a F-150. Black with red trim. I can't even remember exactly what it's called. But, um... He saw me in my uniform, I told him my story, and he gave me a chance. I didn't even have all the money, because uh, he wanted a deposit, but he gave me the keys, and I was in there. I opened the door, it had a, a chair, a desk, a bed, a mirror, and a dresser. And I was like, and a lamp. I was like, oh, this is cool, you know? And when you walked in, it looked like a long hallway, three rooms on each side. At the very end of the hallway was a door, and uh, to the left of the back door was the kitchen. To the right were two separate bathrooms, and the bathrooms weren't bad, but the kitchen itself was roach-infested. Now, in the house, uh, there was a guy who lived directly when you walk into the front door to the right who had a car. I never met him. On the second door to your right from the front door you had a guy named Marcus and up until maybe two months the third room on the right hand side was empty now on the first side on the first door on the left I can't remember who exactly that was but the second door was this guy named Dread and the third room was mine next to the kitchen so I still had some crack so I'm like alright you know I met my, my friend TK at the train station I got some more and I go on a mission from my first crackhead and I meet him his name is T-Bird <laughs> and uh, in the Rich Homie Quan video 
you know you see him dancing in front of this building that's where I made my uh, uh, some type of way that's the video just uh, dancing in front of this big building on MLK um, it's right next to the Busy Bee Cafe that's where I made my first crack sale over there and I actually didn't even make any money for it I actually traded the guy for a knife or a phone or something I can't even remember exactly what it was but it was something I felt I needed to protect myself so it wasn't even any money and uh, so I tried to do that and then uh, I'll be down on MLK in Ashby which is a very scary place at nighttime there was this it's still there this is chicken wing place right outside of the BP gas station right across the street from the McDonald's for all of you Atlanta natives and you know HBCU students who know what I'm talking about um, I used to try to sell stuff over there and it was so scary because at any given moment it could be raided and it got to the point where um, I was selling a little bit but not that much but what got me the hang of it was I had my homeboy Duke with me who, who I always will have a special place in my heart because <laughs> uh, he went through that with me man just it's good to have someone to attest all these crazy stories but I came up with this plan okay so remember you guys I'm 17 years old and I can't buy tobacco from the store and I'm gonna tell you why that's relevant um, from my steps in front of the rooming house what I would do I would look down at the yellow store that's on Ashby and Parsons that's still there to this day and I would see somebody lingering outside and I'd be like hmm they want something so what I do is I go down there and I'd say hey what's up you want to make some money of course they say yeah I'd be like can you go in there and buy me a black amount and I got you something when you come out and they'd be like yeah 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 so they go they bring me the black amount what I do is hand them some crack balled up in a piece of paper with my name and they called me smoke because I used to always have black and mouths so I started telling people my name was smoke and that kind of turned me up a little bit I'm not even gonna lie like I ran that plan and that scheme so much I actually started to make a little bit of money not enough money to really do anything special but enough to keep some food in me and Duke's stomach to where we wouldn't be hungry we weren't balling out or anything but we weren't hungry I mean because there were times where you know we were hungry before that where we'd search the room for 75 cents just to buy a black amount just to kill our appetite so that scheme helped us out but I never forget um it, it, it was so funny this is the thing I learned about crack or whatever like crackheads they have this special kind of language you know what what they do is they're they say nephew and if they say nephew you know that's like a signal so for example like you call a, a you call crackheads J's for junkies and they might be like Oh, what's up? You straight on the block today, nephew? 
And while the novice might think that they're saying, hey, how are you doing, young man? They're asking you, do you have any crack or do you have any hard, which was what the the lingo was back in the day. And um, so I learned these things and I learned how to pick out crackheads and I understood like little things like what a fly was like certain people would call a fly like they put a piece of crack in their cigarette so they could smoke it out in the open and they would walk around with it and then uh, I would meet people who did different things like that and then they'd always tell you that they'll pay you back and then they don't they're not paying you back like think about the notorious B.I.G.'s 10 crack commandments it's not happening buddy and uh, I'll never forget Never, ever, ever, ever forget the day that I stopped selling crack. I traded this uh, crackhead T-Bird some crack to tell me where the plug on the weed was. Now, this was stupid and very risky that I know, but I I was done with it. I was tired of it. Um, I got frisked really bad and I was just like nah I'm not gonna deal with this no more I got followed home a couple of times and the me and Duke were super shook and 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 another thing another thing before I even go to how I stopped selling crack um the biggest thing was too um I got a job at Target right I, I got a job at Target in Sandy Springs and that really was really 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 turned me up like that helped me out a lot i mean thank god for that you know um and i was making ten dollars an hour when the average going around the average hourly wage when i was younger in atlanta was 525 i was making ten dollars an hour and that was more than most people because people would drop out of school because the airport was the only place paying eight dollars an hour but started working at Target but we were still selling crack like you know in shifts like Duke would sell it while I was gone because I started working like um really early in the morning and then or not even at first I started working 12 to 8 1 to 8 you know the dead end shifts where you can't do anything else but I would sell crack at nighttime when I got home uh, until I got my first check or whatever because you know you got the two weeks in the hole so it's like a month to get paid and um, every time I would leave my bomb meaning the amount of crack that we had the stash or whatever with Duke and whether it was in a tic tac pack or my contact pack it would always be short or he'd have some story about why stuff was missing now I'm not going to go into why I don't really know what happened to it I have my theories but let's just say it was just missing um, different stories every day so I traded my last little bit and T-Bird uh, took me across the street over there it's a, it's a street across the street called Ashby Grove directly across the street almost directly across the street from Parsons Street and I walked down the street and then people are like shooting like boom 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 like just random shots and I never forget he looks back at me and says with this crazy look in his eye like worried look he's like you don't got beef with nobody over you don't got beef with nobody over here do you and I was like nah he was like oh okay so I go and trade my last bit of bomb for a quarter of weed (laughs) and that is where the craziness 
of Ashby really, really, really came to play. They don't like me shining. 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 They hit me up on Facebook, passive aggressive. Never been the one to mess with. Since the days I lived across from Beckwith. Ooh, they drew with the wet lip. How the hell we let Nick get one up on it so quick? Well, I guess they so sick, just like Neo. But this ain't no love song, cuz when all the love is gone, game over, bring the gone, looking for me. Using tongs with a pan seared chicken, that's luxury. All the hating these people be doing. I swear that they just in love with me. Oops, they messed around and dubbed me a G. Okay. But see me smoothly in the beam of that's B-L-U-E Gripping grand on the way Ooh. to NYC When I swung through Tennessee I hopped out of switch to the Jeep The rest yeah. of black 90-F-I-V-E okay. Melatonin help me sleep Man, I'm on sprints every week For the methods of the scrum Hate to stay in your lane Cause I'm by my bread All y'all's people be doing this Snatch what? from Couldn't care to call me dumb All these acres out here Man, I gotta get me some They don't like me shining okay. They don't like me shining uh. They don't like me shining What? They don't like me shining they don't like me shining. 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 Okay. They don't like me shining. Okay. They don't like me shining. Okay. Okay. So I have to talk about the homosexuality that plagues that area. Especially in the rooming houses. And that's no offense to anybody who is homosexual. But when I was a kid, you know, I never was really around anything like that. I'd heard about it. And it never really, like, you know, was in my face like it was. And just the way it came about. So, here's how it started my first interaction I'm outside and uh, I'm sitting on the front porch and you know I'm selling I think I was still selling crack I was still selling crack at this at this point in time and the roommate of mine a housemate should I say Marcus comes out he has a Colt 45 and he's like hey you gotta uh He's like, he's like, what's up, man? You know, you want a cool 45, man? I'm like, sure. He's like, yeah, man, what you out here doing hustling, man? I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I got to get it. And um, so we strike up a conversation. Cool guy, calm, you know, non-threatening. Tells me that he is an armed security guard at the World Congress Center and the CNN Center. And he's been doing that for a minute and stuff like that. He's from here. So we get into this conversation, chopping it up. No, No big deal. And so, he tells me that he's been to prison for 10 years. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, all I'd really known about jail was like, you know, my dad was in the feds most of my life growing up. And other than that, I mean, I went to Scared Straight in eighth grade. But besides that, like, I never was really, like, in tune with jail. Like, it wasn't really, like, this big part of my life where I'm like, oh, jail. Like, I wasn't ever arrested or i was pretty much overall a good kid you know and um so this is my first time hearing it so he tells me the story so this is the story he was like he was like yeah man um you know i was playing spades 
um, with some people, you know, and then I made a wrong move, and then the guy hauls around and slaps me. So I, I choke him out. I put him to sleep. And then the next thing you know, I accidentally killed him. And they gave me 10 years for manslaughter for that. I'm like, man, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so he continues his story. And he's like, well, yeah, man, you know, um, when I first get there, man, I'm wilding out. I'm punching police officers in the face. I'm punching secure COs. I'm knocking people out. So it got to the point where they were like, man, you're just too wild. We're going to have to transfer you. So they actually gave me a choice. They said, you can go to New York or you can go to some part of Georgia. It starts with an H. I can't remember. You know, people who are familiar might know. But they said, yeah, you know, you can go down. You can go to southern Georgia or you can go to New York. And uh, he was like, I ain't going up there with them yo son niggas. I went down there to the south, to the south side of Georgia. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I got there. I was like, man, I got there, man, you know, wild out a little bit, man, and they got me. And I'm like, what you mean they got you? He's like, they took my ass. I was like, oh, God. I have never heard nothing like that. My, I was drinking that Colt 45, and I'm not even a beer drinker. Man, like, my stomach curdled like I'd never heard anybody say anything like this before I mean it was just the first time I ever even heard this like from anybody I never watched it on TV I never I was just like oh it just made me sick and um he was like yeah but it but it was all good though man you know um I had a pretty good life in there I just slept during the day And I, I got promoted And I just kept all the other hoes in line It was either that Or they was gonna kill me I mean what could you do And I was like Whoa And I just got sick And then I just went inside You know what I'm saying I was like oh nah I can't really Ugh I couldn't hear no more It was disgusting Yeah man And it got to the point where I started finding out more things. So another guy moved into the house and he lived in the room across the hall from me and his name was Willie. But he insisted that we called him Granny or Grandma. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I just call you Willie, buddy, if that's your name. You know what I'm saying? So the ill thing was, all right, I, another big reason I stopped selling crap was because the guy Marcus he had this alias named Liz and he paid crackheads five bucks to go to his room and jack off for him and I found this out because crackheads I would just be selling stuff to outside would be in the house and be like oh smoke this is where you live at and I'd be like, nah, I'm just passing through. And then I realized, I'm like, okay, I don't need to be doing this. This is too much. You know, like, I, I, it, was, it was just ridiculous. And it got to the point where so many people that I was seeing that I was selling to were in my house. I was like, oh, nah, I, I need to separate myself from this world. This is just too much, you know. And um, the biggest, craziest thing was, okay, one time. Oh, and let me say this. It got to the point where if anyone came to the door and asked for Liz, I knew they were talking about Marcus and they were there for something gay. I could I could definitely attest to that. 
And here's the ill thing about that. Okay, so one time, um, I was selling weed. Now, I'm, I stopped selling crack. Okay, it was this guy. This guy got out, got out the car um, with this dreadhead skinny guy, and the, the, the it was it was a big stocky guy and a dreadhead skinny guy, and the big stocky guy was like, "Hey, yo, little nigga, Liz up in there." You know, I was like, thought to myself, I'm like, Ugh. um. I was like, yeah, yeah, he in there. I was like, just go knock on the door. And uh, so he went in there and knocked on the door. So the the guy with the dress is just sitting outside uh, with me or whatever. And uh, the I, I don't know where Marcus was, but you know the guy came and sat. He was on the phone and he was talking all hard. He was like, yeah, man. No, yeah, I just got out of Rice Street, man. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was in there, man, like running over to the pump, talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go to pump, they go to pump, man. I want to see what the pump look like. Then by the pump, they meant like a guy that was gay in jail or whatever. I don't know why he was talking about this, but this is what he just kept ranting and raving about, and just kept talking. And I'm outside selling my weed. I'm, I'm just listening to it. I wasn't gonna move because they were there. And um, he, he was talking about how someone left him in the jungle with no sword or something like that i didn't know what none of that meant but marcus comes to the door he goes in there so me and the guy are in this awkward silence for like 20 minutes and then the guy you know the dreads the skinny guy is like hey man you want to smoke something man smoke like some of that up i'm like nah buddy i'm selling you could buy something though and uh, i was like nah nah i'm, I'm kind of messed up right now he was like, let me ask you a question real talk i'm like all right he was like, yo, that dude lives in there. That dude gay. I was like, yeah. He was like, man. I'm like, I just shut my head. And he was like, let me tell you, bro. I, uh, you know, I just picked this man up from Rice Street, man, yesterday. And he kept saying stuff like, yeah, you know, everybody got secrets. Everybody got secrets. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, that, and the third. I'm saying so I guess I don't know I guess that's what his secret I'm like yeah man that's just crazy bro I don't know you know I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't know this guy I don't know if he's about to pull a pistol out on me I don't, I don't know nothing you know what I'm saying I got my bomb tucked I, I mean you know what I'm saying I'm cool I'm not giving up no information and uh about 15 minutes later the guy comes out and then they leave and I don't see the guy no more you know and um that's relevant because I'm going to tell you this one story. So, remember, I said that I paid T-Bird to trade my last bit of crack for some weed, right? So, the same day, I come back, I have the weed that I got from that, that area or whatever. And I meet these two guys named Juice and Slim. Who lived on the street across from me, uh, which is called Ozone. Ozone Place or Ozone Street or whatever. It's right across the street from Parsons, right across the street diagonally from, from the rooming house. And it's this guy walking up and down the street trying to sell the polo shirt off his back for $10. And we're like, nah, nah, nah. And 
the crazy thing is like my friend right now my best friend from ben hill you know he came over to visit me or whatever and then uh, i'm backing up weed in front of him or whatever and he's in my he's in my room my room my house i have the door open i see willie with the guy for ten dollars uh, with the who's trying to sell the polo shirt off his back for ten dollars, come into the house and go into his room. I'm like, oh, I mean, I, by this time I was just used to it. Like it didn't really like phase me no more. Like I didn't, I didn't. Um, it wasn't in front of me. I wasn't seeing it. I just knew what was going on. I wasn't selling crack no more. So I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm out of this life. So, so um, you know, I'm talking to Raynard. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden you hear help, help. And you hear this rumbling, boom, 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 doo, 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 doo. And like it's just like a lot of banging and rumbling going around. I'm like, uh oh, this guy up in there getting his ass tucked. I'm not about to do nothing. So I get up to close the door because my door was cracked. And then um, the crackhead bust out with his shirt off and Willie stereo and just walks out the house and. I did like you so see you see Willie like just bloody like just in the corner of the room like on his face and apparently the guy had took a gin bottle and hit him over the head with it and the gin bottle didn't break he just busts his nose busts his eye his whole stuff open and um he's screaming he's like Liz 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 Marcus comes out the door in his boxes to see what's going on and then my friend right now is like oh no no this is too much I gotta get out of here I gotta get out of here I gotta get out of here and as I'm walking Raynard out the house I walk by you know Liz uh, you know Marcus's door is open and the guy who was talking about uh the 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 punk in jail and the guy with the dreads he was in that room in Marcus's room with his shirt off and I was like oh god sorry no, I, was like, man, I don't know how you live here man I'm out of here buddy I'm, I'm not I'm, 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 no it's enough I can't come back here I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to we ain't talking we ain't talking we ain't talking we ain't talking we ain't talking. We ain't talking. Oh. The top is so lonely, cloudy on the peak, so it's hard to see. Everybody pulling my feet, so drifting so high, level I compete. Never reach the feet, making haters retreat. Any encounter with a buster won't be discreet. Fresh out my lab with the bins as my Uber cab. Never see me do a dab, they just shot it on the down payment, so the funds are insufficient. Sad Wall Street made me cold, asked me how they acting bad. Now I do think you wish you had. Private JET on the foot of IND, watching blast. So stupid, fresh ninja butt nest and my long sleeve polo plaid. Taking them out like they bags from the glass, so they mad, cause my flow fast and they stuck in the mud, so they feet drag. I'm in the lead with no lag. Like keep, I make it last. Never sweat and suck a bus of flexing about cash. Okay. In the stash when they came to the car lot and bought a subprime jack. Oh. With a fat knot in my pocket when I roll tight. Been healed from the swat, super tight. I like guys, whoa. And you know you catch me, I'm not on no motor. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk.
We ain't talking. 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 The crazy thing about growing up in multiple places is that you get to meet a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives. So when I was living in rooming houses, uh, I will always meet there's uh, uh, different characters that lived in these places. There's always someone gay that lives there that's doing something weird. There's always an old guy, older kind of, you know, want to be mentor to you that tries to tell you how to do certain stuff. And I just looked at it like, oh, there's no old school guy got something to say. And then I remember my mom telling me like, oh, is there someone that's 40 year old, 40 years old living in a rooming house then you need to pay attention to why are they that old living where you are in year 17 so she told me that i was like aha so what you would find is like a lot of the older people try to take advantage of the younger people because uh for what i believe the lack of present fathers in our community but this is how people can go into dark paths trying to impress their OGs. Um, the first thing that we learn how to do in the bad neighborhood is sell drugs because it's easy to obtain the information on how to do that. And you've seen so many people get locked up from it or know people who've been locked up from it to the point where you think that, well, I know what kind of mistakes that I that they make and they all make the same mistakes. So as long as I don't do that, then I'm good. But you have to really be careful of who you're hanging around and who you let influence you because things can get ugly real fast when you think that someone has your back or your best interest at heart when you are naive that they have ulterior motives now age and mindset and experience and scenarios we go through through life harden us as individuals meaning i feel at one point we all had like a soft kind heart like as kids like you know oh yeah you just want to be someone's friend because they're nice or you feel bad for someone but those feelings will get you hurt like killed on the streets and i mean i know in an idealistic kind of way it's not supposed to be like that but real life i mean when you're in certain environments and you're in certain playing fields even just to get out you have to play a certain type of way i mean this is all social dynamics i mean at the end of the day we have a code of what we think is right or wrong but it's really about your relationship with yourself and how you view the world and I feel that if you're doing something that's in the best benefit for you and your family positive karma will come from that but when you do it with ill intent you'll get the karma from that so you'll win one and you'll lose one and operating through life like that has uh, kept me out of trouble and also allowed me to gain success and there's some skills that you'll learn through these audiobooks and through the podcast and 
through the other means of information that I give you, it will help you decide and do things that you never thought that you could because you thought that that information was just so foreign. I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that you think of already are billion dollar ideas, but there's no one around you to tell you these things. Everybody's trying to lead you astray towards this world of snapchat and instagram and in the end this is it's not real i mean you can talk to internet people all day but at the end i mean if you go to sleep by yourself are you really gonna be happy what does that really mean anyway so your influence is very important and i hope you all realize that you're influencing and being influenced subconsciously and consciously at various moments throughout the day the only time where you're not doing this is when you are actively doing something with effortless output Cause I'm just flossing so low cause homies hated it way too often So I had to shake the fools right up off me My homie girl play him cause he dealt with him too softly Now she with him, another dude salty I know I'm only useful when they call me Reading Machiavelli all week man Paying attention to the tones that they use when they speak Trusting your transparency through weak methodologies They be like somebody they got that cheese Cold that woman only hate to stop and tell them freeze You think it's small. 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 You think it's